Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. How about a magic trick? I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. It's... it's gone. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? Huh? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. And I won't kill you because you're just too much fun. I think you and I are destined to live forever. Welcome, 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 welcome to Best Film Ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Liam. And basically, Liam, I'll just introduce the, the premise. This started off, I don't know, about 15 months ago now, where I gave you a poster for Christmas about the top 100 films bucket list sort of things you should see before you die. And we decided we were going to watch all of them together. And how far did we get, Liam? Probably about four or five in. Oh, I think we did better than four or five. But I don't think we got much better than like seven. <laughs> no, I think oh. we did and then we realized at some point we should really be documenting this somehow because we yeah. have these conversations and we went it really feels silly to do a project of this magnitude and not uh, document it and so therefore the, the, the idea for this podcast was sort of born so the original plan was Liam just for me and you to kind of sit with some microphones and sort of work this through but along the way we kind of uh, picked up some uh, some some extra help along the way so uh, yeah we did. In 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 studio, I don't know what they call this. In studio, we have. I'm Ellie. And on the other side of the glorious Skype Matron, we have. Georgia. And Georgia Yay. is in fact check corner today, which was kind of the birth of the idea. I think in the first episode, Liam and I were recording it, and we had a couple of things that we weren't getting necessarily right, and Georgia kind of chipped in, and we went, "Oh, we need to have someone whose role is this. We need to have a room for." I guess so it's not just me and you all the time, Liam, as much as I do like talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't really reciprocate it back, but that's okay. (laughs) So this is usually we talk about what's going on in the world, but I think we know what's going on in the world. We are all living the hashtag isolation life. And so we're trapped in these areas and um, kind of trying to pass, for some of us, a a considerable amount of hours. Uh, Liam, you're still able to kind of go out and Go, go to work sometimes but i'm completely i'm working from home so i'm watching yeah. I'm, I'm watching a lot of stuff on tv so i watched what did i watch i watched mm-hmm. les mis i watched uh lady bird which i both i enjoyed both of them for different reasons and What's outside lady, of that, bird? lady bird is an independent film it's done by greta gerwig the woman who directed and wrote um the screenplay for little women that was nominated for Academy oh, okay. Awards this year. She yep. wasn't for Academy. Yep. She wasn't for uh, directing, but she was for writing. And so this oh. was Lady Bird was in 2017, kind of her coming out party. And it won uh, a Golden Globe for Best Comedy. And so I thought, oh, I'll check this out. And it's a, it's an interesting sort of coming of age story. Uh, I would recommend it if you're out there and you're looking for something to, to, to watch. It's, it is on Netflix. That's how I stumbled upon it. And um, so that was me. I, I thought it was all right, Ellie. You, you were not of the same mind, I think. No, I didn't really enjoy <laughs> it at all. Um, it, well, it wasn't that I didn't. I didn't mind watching it, but I would never watch it again. Okay, but we're not doing a, a review podcast on Lady Bird today. Uh, Georgia, what are you watching during this span? Have you been watching anything? 
Um, I've been re-watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, Nine-Nine. which is well-timed, actually, because they're now putting season six on Netflix. They so are. I'm going back through um, and eventually we'll get to that point. So what else are you watching besides Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Georgia? Um, <laughs> I've been watching some things on Disney+. Plus. I've been watching the episodes of The Imagineering Story, which I think is fun, really, really interesting. It's all about theme parks and that kind of stuff, the Disney theme parks. Um, and have been watching films for our other podcast talking the mickey talking a little the bit of a mickey. plug there plug plug pluggy plug 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 and in between the last episode where we did in bruges and uh this one uh for the film today we've actually done was it three episodes for talking the mickey three yeah yep. we've done frozen three. mulan and pocahontas mm-hmm. And we've got yeah, the fourth one set up as well, the Lady in the Tramp. So if you haven't already stumbled upon that, why not go ahead into your favorite podcatcher, but not actually not your favorite podcatcher, because we're not available yet on uh, Apple Podcasts. And although Google Podcasts say we're, we're going to be there, uh, they're not there yet. But if you go on Spotify, you can definitely get to Talking the Mickey. So I think Spotify is a nice catch-all there. Uh, Liam, what, what, are you, what are you watching? I'm plowing my way through seasons of Daredevil and Sleepy Hollow. Still, okay, yeah, you, you had said that on the on the other podcast, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're working through box yeah, sets, I, I'd be surprised if you were finished, unless you're our friend Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hi, Ethan. <laughs> Hi, Ethan. There we Watched go. Watched The Office hey. in about three days. Watched all of ten seasons of the nine art seasons of The Office in three days. Wow, that's not a good Whoa. thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> not good. <laughs> I don't Ethan. think you appreciate it. Sometimes, good. Ethan, it's okay to stop to stop and just enjoy it a bit. Oh my god! I know, right? So yeah. it's like I don't know, like 160 episodes he did in like three days. God bless him. He really should do this on like YouTube and like you know. Become a personality binge based watch. off it. Yeah. Yeah. You could binge have, watch someone binge watching something. My my kind of binge watching is doing like three episodes of Daredevil and one episode of um, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> yeah. In like one night and then going, okay, now I'm going to bed. Binge watching. Yeah. Yeah. Me yeah. Too. Um, so today we, though, are looking for. Oh, wait. Reflections <clears throat> and corrections. I don't know if there's too much to talk about last time. Uh, in Bruges. Oh, I do have one reflection and correction to make, Liam, and it goes all the way back to our first episode. Oh, okay. I realized I made a mistake when we played the what's the IMDb rating challenge for Back to the Future. I said it was 7.4. Yeah. I was looking by mistake at Back to the Future 3. <laughs> oh, okay. I think that was more than that. Yeah, it was like 8.5. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I'm amazed that the third one got a rating as high as 7.4. Oh, the third one's good. Hey, I like the third one. third one holds up, I think. We're going to have to go back. Yeah, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really qualify under my usual criteria for the podcast, but we could definitely maybe on an anniversary or something when we'll just go back and look at it and, and un- unpick that a bit because I do, I really do like the trilogy of Back to the Future. I do too. Yeah. Uh, but today, let's shift gears and let's focus. Today, we are focusing on The Dark Knight from 2008, the same year as in Bruges, in fact. Um, yep. Everybody here has seen The Dark Knight before? Yep. Yep. Excellent. So Dark Knight, um, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan, uh, who was a writer on the short story that inspired Memento, the Dark Knight trilogy. He's a writer in, uh, behind Westworld. So if you want, like, unconventional sort of plots, Jonathan Nolan is your guy. 
Uh, anybody Chris want to... Nolan was also the producer, wasn't he? Chris Nolan directed, produced, wrote, yeah, the whole yeah. the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. Yeah. So there, there's a, thing, yeah, there, there, there's a bit, a bit of a tandem. Chris tends to bring Jonathan with him wherever he, whenever he goes. Yeah. So um, let's do the IMDb game right now. Anybody have any idea how high IMDb rating for uh, Batman, not Batman, The Dark Knight may actually be? It's got to be quite high, surely. Yeah. I'm going 8. at least 8.4. 8.4, Liam? 8.6. I already know, so yeah, I'm you not going to say. It's actually 9. Oh, yeah, I believe it's, it's like one of the, the top five rated films on all of IMDb, and the Rotten Tomatoes score comes in at ninety four percent. So under either of the metrics I usually would use to kind of say, does this deserve to be considered for best film ever? I mean, it smashes both of them. And I was reading an article that said that uh, the, the the critic in question felt that it was a Dark Knight that legitimizes the comic book genre, and you don't get the big MCU payoffs with the critical acclaim for things like Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War and so on and so forth if you don't have a Dark Knight mm-hmm. first. Uh, so but also, yeah. Also in the trilogy, um, I don't feel like Begins Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises stand up alongside that one. No. It's- it towers towers above those two. Yeah, I think towers is, is a good part of the trilogy. I think I think it is. I think the common belief is that it is the best of the three. But I think, like you, um, I don't think it's close. And I don't think you need the first no one to even really get into this one. I think you can watch the second one no. if you haven't seen Batman Begins and be just fine. I've never yeah, seen definitely. Batman Begins. Well, there we go. Point proven. Uh, yeah, was <laughs> not nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture was not nominated for Academy Award for Best Director, and I find that to be kind of shocking. Yeah. It did win two Oscars, as I'm sure we all know. Heath Ledger uh, won. Uh, Yeah. He was the only comic book um, award winner for a major category from a... Sorry, he was the only one who won a major Academy Award Oscar uh, ever until, of course, 2020, when... Um, Joaquin Phoenix also wins for a comic book movie, which we can talk about maybe a little bit later at the but end. Here's a little bit of a spanner in the work. Okay. I, I think he deserves the Oscar, but do you think if he'd have been alive, received the Oscar, do you think he'd have still won? I do. I do. Although, I mean, we're never going to experience that situation, but there was so much buzz beforehand, but it made it real easy, didn't it? Yeah, didn't it? It was like, it was like a, it was, it was given to him, really, wasn't it? There's something After like he died. there's something like 21 or 20 major awards uh, that you can kind of get as an actor in like the award circuit, and he won Best Supporting Actor on all but one. Wow. Yeah, and so it's interesting that it doesn't get nominated for Best Picture though, because it's up against Slumdog Millionaire, which did win, and Slumdog's an excellent film, but other ones were like Benjamin Button, Milk, The Reader, and Frost Nixon. So um, the year after this they moved best picture from five to ten nominations oh yeah they thought it was partially because of um the dark knight and partially because of wally both of which were the two highest critically rated films uh that year but didn't get oscar nominations so that was interesting Mm -hmm. just to set it up in case there's somebody out there who has not um been familiar for some reason with the dark knight Uh, IMDb describes it as such. When the menace known as the Joker wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. Mm. 
And when Christopher Nolan was asked about it, he said the film's not an origin story for the Joker. It's not the origin of the Joker. It is the rise of the Joker, but it's the origin of the Joker. Sorry, not the origin of the Joker. It's the rise of the Joker. I tripped over my own statement <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, I'll wear that. That's fine. So my first question <laughs> to the group before we start the deep dive is whose film is this? The Joker's. Absolutely. Without, without a shadow of a doubt. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, someone justify that. Because I would agree with you, but I just want to hear someone else explain. So I was catching up on the um, film and was watching a few different videos just to kind of go, okay, this is other people's take on it. What do I think about that? And in all of the videos, I should imagine 90% of the content is focused around the Joker. And as I was watching back through bits of the film as well, I was going, you could skip a lot of the stuff with Batman in. I mean, it doesn't make as much sense, but if you've just followed the Joker's arc, it's it's a film in its own in its own right. It's not um, you don't need the Batman part of the story in it. You could have it focused around the Joker and just slightly add or tweak different bits of the story, and it's still just as good. I don't think Batman being in it deserves probably the title card. Um, I'd no, argue no, it's definitely more of a joker film than a batman film yeah it was more of a joker movie and i think that's why it stands ahead and above the other two because the other two are batman movies where this is a joker movie absolutely and i find batman to be incredibly boring as a hero so that's a hot i'd much rather watch a joker movie than a a batman film it's not too often you hear someone say yeah just don't feel batman (laughs) i Uh, don't i really don't i don't i like batman i'm gonna give you a different perspective and i want to get your take on this what if someone argued it wasn't a Batman movie? And what if someone argued it wasn't even a Joker movie? What if someone argued it was a Harvey Dent movie? Oh, it's a Two-Face origin oh, film as well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, because they follow Harvey more, really, than anybody. And he has the biggest arc of them all. He goes from being this white knight saving Gotham to completing that villain. The all Dark the Knight, the whole movie. if you will. Sorry? The Dark Knight, yeah, if you yeah. will. From, from being the White Knight to the Dark Knight, yeah. It's interesting because it could... For, and uh, I was doing some research for this before watching it. I've seen The Dark Knight probably 10 times. But I was doing some research this time just for the podcast. And uh, I came across that take. And that take was delivered by somebody called Christopher Nolan. And I kind of went, oh, all right. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I, I, I should actually. So this time I kind of watched it a little bit with that in mind, with that lens. And I'm not sure I agree with him, but I can absolutely hear his argument. I th- yeah, I, I can too. I think I'm inclined to still go. I think it's the Joker's film because it this is, is and the, 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 these are Nolan's own words. I'm going to sort of throw at you here, but the Joker is an absolute. The Joker is fully formed. The Joker is already at his zenith of skill, if you will, or madness, whatever the word is you want to use. We just see his role in Gotham increase, but it's not because he's getting better at, at at being the Joker. He's already at you know he's to use a video game term. He's already maxed out. I would agree yeah. that it, it is the Joker's film, um, but there, there's definitely some really interesting character arcs in there as well. But I think because the Joker is such a extreme character, it, it's he's someone that we really don't relate to because he has got all of these sort of you know he's you know he's a complete psychopath, isn't he? Um, I think it just yeah. makes him stand out all the more mm-hmm. as being the real point of interest in the film. So I think that's why it comes across as being his movie, even if there's such a big storyline for Harvey Dent as well. Yeah. Uh, this and like he said himself in the film, he has no boundaries. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, so he can do these crazy stuff. Well, does he have um, no boundaries or does he have really clear boundaries? Well, yeah, true. Yeah. It's really interesting. And we'll talk about that a little bit because the word I'm going to use a lot during this review is the word mirroring because there's mirroring between all the characters at some point. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. Just as a little bit yeah. of an intro, this was the most complained about film of the decade to the BBFC. <laughs> and for those of you who don't live in Britain, the BBFC are the people who run the film industry. This, it's the British Board of Film Certification. The American equivalent would be the R. IAA, the people who authorize trailers, basically. They do a lot of stuff, too. But the, basically, the F is, was that this is not a 12A movie. And uh, something like 42% of all complaints in the decade were about this film. Is it actually rated 12A? I believe it is a 12A movie, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm looking, actually, I have the DVD in my bookcase. I can see it from here. It is a 12. It's not even a 12A. It is a 12. Uh, the American rating was a PG-13. Yeah, so it is between... So it's a comparable. Between, yeah, 12 and a, because, and a 13 it would be that, yeah. Because the, the, the American version doesn't have, a twel- uh, doesn't have a 12 rating. In Canada, we don't have a 12. No. We, we have a 14. And that's, that's our big marker in Canada. Although we just usually refer to PG, PG-13, just sort of casually. So, yeah. Surely when you've got people putting guns into their mouths and threatening to oh, it's intense. blow their heads off you... I think it's the lack of blood because there is you for, don't for, for all the killing, see a lot of it you see yeah. blood only three times in the whole film yeah yeah uh, this unlike Batman Begins unlike uh, The Dark Knight Rises unlike the majority of Christopher Nolan's films this one has a really tight timeline and doesn't have any real flashbacks it takes place over the course of nine days and so let's this is a good time as I need to sort of jump into those nine days and do a bit of a deep dive so the first thing I'm going to gush about there'll be a lot of gushing I think from at least for me uh, is uh, that opening scene and let's if we can start by talking about the fact we're introduced and the theme we hear at the start isn't Batman's theme the theme we hear is the Joker's theme and I don't know if you picked this up and the music we should mention Hans Zimmer love And Hans Zimmer, if you want an intense, like kind of like archaic, not archaic, anarchic score. Anarchic. Anarchic, yeah. yeah. Anarchic score. You want Hans Zimmer. And he achieved this through using a piano wire, which he would hit with razor blades, and shards of metal, which he would use to play the guitar strings. Wow. And the Joker's theme, if you listen to it, it's like nine minutes long, and it's just the same two notes over and over and over again. And it's the note D and the note C for DC Comics. But also because those two notes are so close together, they sound discordant all the time. And so the whole theme is really just the same two notes being played back and forwards, but then just rising in volume or rising in pace to give that feeling of escalation, which was a theme that Nolan wanted to do throughout the film. So really interesting. And we have that shot. There's a couple of shots before it, but the third shot, I think it is of the whole film, is the shot of a character from behind and he's holding a clown mask in his right hand. And if you've seen the shot, it's, I'm going to use that word, which we're using far too often, but it is iconic, isn't it? Very. And the mask is a reference back to a mask that the TV uh, Joker, Cesar Romero, wore on a TV movie where he played a Joker who wore a clown mask in in a robbery. So it's, it's a throwback to that. Um, and so basically they start a bank heist and at each stage, we get to see each stage of how this bank is getting broken into. And at each stage, the person who's finished his job 
is shot and double-crossed by the person ahead of him in lines. The guy who does the security system, the guy who opens the vault, the guy who drives the bus, the guy who helps him. And each step of the way, this group of criminals comes down uh, by one each time a, a level gets achieved. They turn on each other. And as it's going on, we get to sort of eavesdrop on conversations about who this Joker is. And the bank manager comes out and saying, do you know who this is? This isn't a regular bank. This is a mob bank. And the last man standing, because he shot everybody else, goes and puts a grenade in his mouth. And you hear him say, what doesn't kill you? And he takes off the clown mask. And of course, it's Heath Ledger as the Joker underneath it. And he's blocking the light out behind him. So it's just this like grim look of that now iconic again, Joker's face paint. This isn't Jack Nicholson's shiny, happy Joker. It's not the overly cartoony Cesar Romero Joker. It is a different kind of Joker. And what an introduction to a character. And did you also notice that he never spoke until the end of when everyone's dead? Yeah, I think he just says, I kill the bus drivers, the only line of dialogue yeah. we get from him. And that's yeah. such a good line. And did you notice he doesn't even look at half the people he shoots? Yeah. When he shoots the yeah. guy behind him, he just he's walking away and just sort of flails his Tommy gun. And the use of that Tommy gun, very Chicago 1920s, 1930s, um, which was really interesting. And it was actually the, this most of the film was shot in Chicago proper. So it's interesting they sort of tie oh. that lineage along. And Chicago's got a good yeah. feel for it, even though Gotham is often kind of used as a um, representative of New York City, especially in the last one. It feels very New York City. Uh, this yeah. one, it, it had a Chicago feel to it, which was great. So it was half in Chicago and then half at Pinewood Studios in London. So it's an interesting um, combination there. Definitely. And uh, we go from there to a scene where a scarecrow is trying to sell drugs. And it's not going well. And all of a sudden, Batman shows up, or we think it's Batman who shows up, but it's just a bunch of fat guys in hockey pads. <laughs> and um, then we hear, before we see him, we hear Batman's theme. And it's one of only two times we hear the theme in the whole movie. And they kept it really, really short. And a great line is when one of the guys says, what gives you the right to do it? Why can't we do it? And Batman, the proper Batman, just says, because I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah, that was a great line. It was a great line. But he gets bitten by some dogs, and this comes in with a new thing. My bat suit needs to be fixed because I got to deal with, in case of dogs, I need to be protected against them. Which he does later. Which he does later. A little, it, was, it was a nice, subtle nod, I thought. And then we get introduced yeah. to the new district attorney. And um, Commissioner Gordon talks about him, and Alfred and Batman kind of talk about him. And we get to see them kind of discuss who this guy is. And then he comes into the courtroom, sits down beside a newly recasted, um, oh, what was her name? Rachel. Rachel, thank you. No longer Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes turned down the offer to come back and reprise her role. And as, also, as can Rachel. I just stop you there? That's yep. not Commissioner Gordon just yet. Oh, it is it's Commissioner Gordon. Gordon. Thank you. It is. Is it Lieutenant Gordon? Is it Captain Gordon? I think it's Captain Gordon. Is it Captain Gordon? Okay. I think so, yeah. Thank He's you. not Commissioner until later. He's not Commissioner until later. And so um, we shoot up, and Katie Holmes turned this down to do a different film. Does anybody know what film she chose to do instead? Not a clue. She turned no. down the highest grossing comic book movie to that point in history, to do Mad Money with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah. 
which was which was not a good film. <laughs> it was like a five out of ten. It was not a good film. I've seen it. I've never heard of it. Oh, it's not, it's it. not good. They start laundering money. That's the, it's a whole plan about, and they're all down in their lock. It's 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 yeah, it's not good. Um, so anyway, we get Maggie Gyllenhaal, who um, that might be a conversation to have at the end. Is go, how did you rate Maggie Gyllenhaal in this? We get introduced to the fact that here's Maggie Gyllenhaal now as Rachel, and here is um, the new DA Harvey Dent, and he's says that uh, even though he's late, he'll flip a coin. And if it goes the wrong way, he'll let Rachel lead on the case, even though he's the DA and even though it's a big mob trial. And sure enough, he flips and he gets his heads like he wants. He just says he makes his own luck and he walks away. Um, and I've gotten my notes. I don't know how you feel, but I'm going to say this a lot during this, this, uh, this episode. Aaron Eckert is so good in this movie. Brilliant. Oh, good. I was, I was, I was worried someone was going to go, no. I thought oh, Aaron Eckert is phenomenal as Harvey Dent. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was in a film a while back before this called Thank You for Smoking. And Christopher Nolan saw him in that and said, that's the guy who needs to play Harvey Dent. And uh, I don't think anybody could really do that better because it's a really difficult line because there's a certain amount of swagger that has to be sort of pulled off in this. And it's, it's, it's a fine line, a fine line, but maybe not everybody fell on the right side of. No, I, I didn't yeah. really like his arrogance at the start. Um, I think, I think he was, I think he did a fantastic job as an actor in the role. Um, like, don't get me wrong on that, but I didn't really warm to the character of Harvey Dent. Liam? Well, I, I rate him very highly and I, he has the biggest arc in the whole film for me. And I think when you see him on screen, he is somebody who has to look powerful, have to look strong, because he's taken on the underworld. And so you need somebody like him. You also need somebody who, who's, a lot, who's got a likable face as well, so that when later on he doesn't have the likable face, oh, that's you have that. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. have that darker side to him. Yeah. And if you, notice, if you notice towards the end, you don't care about anybody or anything yeah i fully agree uh if you're gonna be the kind of guy who's gonna go face to face with the mob in a city as corrupt as gotham is laid out to be you have to be that arrogant i think in order you to in, in order to go ahead and do that job because like they said you know you have to know the risks and you have to know that you are that good because if you're neither of those things you're gonna be in trouble and so the witness who he has who's been set up to help take down the mob boss maroney changes his testimony on the stand and then tries to assassinate uh, Harvey Dent. Harvey punches him in the face, takes the gun, explains that if you're going to kill a public servant, at least do it with an American-made gun because they won't malfunction, which <laughs> is, the, is up to that point the single most badass thing I've seen in a, in a, in a um, Batman movie. And then they go to excuse the witness, and Harvey goes, but I haven't finished my examination yet, which then became the most badass thing ever done in a Batman film, I felt. Um, and there's a hint between a conversation between Gordon and Harvey that he is Gotham's white knight, but Harvey says, yeah, but you boys have a different name for me, don't you? And we leave that and we don't say what it is, but we just plant that for later. And, uh, at this point, then we've got Bruce Wayne falling asleep in a corporate business meeting held by some guy named Mr. Lau. And the, the, the attention is, 
that he parties too hard and is too much of a billionaire playboy. I think the audience is going, no, no, he's just really tired because he was up all late last night stopping the scarecrow from selling drugs. And then later we find out actually the whole thing was an act and Bruce Wayne was actually awake the whole time, but this is part of his other act he does. So this is the question of what is Batman? Which one is he pretending? Is he pretending to be Batman or is he pretending to be Bruce Wayne? He's pretending to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I think I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. And this one is the Bruce Wayne party billionaire. But which one is he? Because he's obviously more comfortable. Michael Keaton was really good at this side of it, the sort of twitchy Batman or the twitchy Bruce Wayne who was much more comfortable in the cowl. But interesting. Yeah. Georgia, any thoughts? Um, I don't know. I just don't like Batman. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have much else to say. I think his voice when he's Batman just infuriates me. He um, just reminds me of a spoiled three-year-old that's what got are you talking about? all the toys and wants to have all of the toys. Um, so, no, I think this is probably why I rate it more as a Joker movie than I do a Batman movie, because I kind of zone out of Batman, especially when he is Batman, I because don't... he just... I can't hear him a lot of the time. Yeah, that's fair. I don't imagine us doing and The it's... Dark Knight Rises anytime soon, but can you just imagine... Like, both those voices... On a screen yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> and his cowl don't seem to fit either. No, it's a good point. It looks round. Yeah. It looks, it looks really weird. But yeah. And then we have a scene between Morgan Freeman's character, who is oh, I'm forgetting his name, Lucius, Lucius Fox. Fox. Thank you, Lucius Fox. And can we just can we just talk about Morgan Freeman just really briefly? How good is he in this film? Amazing. Morgan Freeman is great in everything. Morgan Freeman is yeah. God, literally, in Bruce Almighty. But literally I mean, in God, yeah. Like, can you name me a bad Morgan Freeman performance? No. And in this one, you know, he's just this bookish type. And I think he needed that with all the comic book characters above him doing all their cool stuff. Lucius Fox had to just be calm and principled and in a movie full of people who are not corruptible from their viewpoint you've got to add lucius fox into that group because he's got more morals than batman i think most definitely most i agree with that completely i really enjoy the way that he handles people as well how that serenity just stays throughout his entire performance and so i can't i can't remember the guy's name but the one who tries to blackmail Mm. batman later in the film and um Fox just kind of sits there completely calmly. Well, this is the first glimpse of it where he asks a guy called Mr. Reese. Mr. Reese. Sounds like Mr. Reese, doesn't it? Yeah. You almost wonder if they were setting things up maybe in the future for a Riddler who wasn't Edward Nigma. That was Mr. Reese. And so um, he just basically says, We've run the numbers. I don't really like it. And he says, Just run them again, would you? He said, But I've run the numbers. Just run them again. And that's our introduction to that character and to just the calm demeanor of Morgan Freeman's Lucius Fox. Then we cut to a dinner scene and we get uh, Bruce coming face to face. He's dating some Russian ballerina. Yeah. And then we see uh, Rachel come in with Harvey Dent for dinner and they decide to pull the two tables together because Bruce owns the restaurant. And we have this face off. (laughs) <laughs> face off between <laughs> so, face off. sometimes they just come to you between um oh my word bruce wayne and harvey dent and it's really interesting because at this point in the film i started looking at how often um harvey dent's face was half hidden in shadow and half hidden in light 
And it started oh. to be seen here, but we saw it throughout. And there's the question of at what point does Harvey and Bruce, because they, they obviously have a, a, a rivalry over Rachel. There's obviously a, I don't think, I don't think uh, Harvey's aware to what degree Rachel has a pass with Bruce Wayne, but I think he realizes no. what they're doing there. They're both trying to be the alpha dog. And yeah. they come back and forth. And at one point, Harvey's doing a speech about what he's trying to do, why he's trying to do it, and also why we need Batman. And as that happens, there is a slow zoom in on Harvey's face. But you also get these reaction shots of Bruce, of Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. And he's just totally enamored with him. And I think we need that moment because if we don't have that moment there, I don't think we believe in Harvey Dent as early as we do. <laughs> I believe in Harvey Dent. But, you know, um, <laughs> Batman's approval, Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, his approval that he gives makes us go, OK, I'm all in with this guy. And you have to be all in with this guy, I think, early or else his fall doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. So I thought it was an important scene. Uh, then we go to um, the Joker's first entrance into the plot. Lau has kind of disappeared and with, with a bunch of money from a bunch of banks in order to try and protect the mob's money. And uh, all the mobs of Gotham are around trying to negotiate with Lau. And the Joker shows up and he does the first great, you want to see a magic trick? And it might so be the good. it might be the most gross thing in the movie. But it's so good. It's, it's so well done. Do you, do you, do you want to sort of walk us through what it is? Okay, so the Joker does a magic trick he wants to make this pencil disappear <laughs> and to do so he stands it in the table pushes it in um, and so he then to make it disappear he pushes a gentleman's head down onto the pencil i believe the pencil goes through his eye into his brain um and then the joker pulls both him and the pencil because it's in his skull off the table and they fall on the floor mm. and he just goes Ta-da! Ta-da! Tonight's and it's gone. so good. It's, it's so, 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 so good. It's very quick. And he starts talking but about... Do you know what oh, go ahead. Do you know what I love about that scene? Is um, you have him laughing off, off screen. Yeah. First, when, they, when, they're, when they're taking the mick out of him, saying, oh, he's somebody in a cheap suit. And then you hear this laughter. And yeah. then you see him coming. And he refers to Lau's plan. And he says to Lau, he says, now, the problem with the television's plan, he doesn't even give him a name. He's just the television. And so he says, well, what do you want? And he just goes, half. And when he went half, he was like, I want half of it. And they go, no, you're crazy. And he goes, look, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And I'm like, yeah. that's just so good. It's And it's not because, as we find out, he doesn't want the money. He's just nope. got principles. If you're good at something, don't do it for free. And they call him crazy. And he goes, no, I'm not crazy. No, I'm not. And he goes, here's my card. <laughs> it's just a Joker <laughs> card from a deck. Um, so the plan is now Bruce Wayne has found out that Mr. Lau's numbers are false. He's probably doing business with the mob. And the problem is he's gone back to Hong Kong and China won't extradite. So Batman's going to Hong Kong. But in order to get some cover, he kidnaps all the Russian uh, ballet dancers and uh, absconds them to a yacht where poor Alfred has to stay with them and rub suntan lotion on their backs while he then takes a plane from there and gets out to Hong Kong so he can uh, interrogate Mr. Lau. Uh, as fun as the um, as fun as that was, I mean, this definitely doesn't work on the Instagram age, does it? 
Yeah. Because you'd have a bunch of people going, where's Bruce gone? <laughs> Hashtag, I'm on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Then we cut back, and the uh, mobsters who have been looking for the Joker at this point, because he's killed one, one of his men, um, and so it's half a million if they can bring him back dead, a million if they can bring him back alive, because he wants to kill the Joker for what he's done. And so two guys show up, and they say, we've got the Joker, and they throw him in a body bag on the table. And the guy's ready to pay up. He goes, okay, half a million. And then Joker springs up. He's actually been playing dead. He's alive. And he um, gives us a first story about how he got these scars. And the first story is that his father, or his stepfather, sorry, was an abusive alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And he liked yeah. to beat up his mother. And then one day, uh, after he was done taking a knife to his mother, he goes to the Joker, who was a boy at the time, and asks him, why so serious? Why so serious? And then puts a, let's put a smile on that face, that classic line. And we leave it there. And during this time, the Joker offs the mob boss who he's, who he's dealing with and breaks a pool cue in half and says to the henchman of the guy who he's just killed, we're an increasing organization looking for aggressive expansion, but we only have one spot, so we're going to have tryouts. And the camera just cuts away at the three henchmen just sort of looking at each other and this stick, and they all start to make a move for it and then we cut, which is a, a powerful, again, it's like they chose the par- perfect little moments of the Joker, gave us just enough of him to see. He's principal, he seems crazy, but I, don't, I think he's right. I don't think he's crazy. His principles are way different, but he's consistent. He's definitely yeah, he's crazy, Is though. he crazy? Yeah. He's wrong. Does that make him crazy? I think it depends on your definition of crazy. If we're talking crazy yeah. as in completely medically insane then i don't think he is i think he's incredibly calculated and just wants to make chaos but he's constantly thinking and is very 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 clever i just don't think he's the good kind of clever yeah he's a he's a very high functioning um psychopath isn't he yeah he he, he's very 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 clever always one 10 steps ahead of everybody else yeah he's worked out everything even when things go wrong yeah, he's got a bad. He's always got multiple multiple plans in place at once. So, yeah. which is funny because we're going to come to a key quote in a minute about that. Um, so then we go back to Batman in Hong Kong, and am I the only one who doesn't like Batman in Hong Kong? I don't, don't like Batman anywhere. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> For people who do like Batman, did it feel a little bit too James Bondy to anybody else? Yeah, and I didn't like how he jumped off the top of the building and just flew around the buildings. Say, since when can Batman fly? He's not a superhero. He's, not he's a superhero he's, with he's, money. He's descending, isn't he? He's parachuting. He's parachuting. Sort yeah, of. Glorified gliding, I suppose. Gliding, yes. Yeah. But, not, but around buildings, uh, I don't know. Apparently, no one like Buzz Lightyear. It's falling with style. Yeah. Apparently, it's <laughs> quite good. <laughs> apparently, no one wanted to take Batman places he hadn't been before. And I'm like, just leave him in Gotham. Um, but they go ahead. They get, he gets him back. It's it's visually impressive. The biggest thing, though, is introduces to the idea of sonar. But they've created the technology that lets Batman see in the dark and see where other people are based off of their cell phones. Cell phones can be used as transmitters that let Batman see where he needs to go. Um, yep. Harvey Dent figures the way that he can try every mob boss at once, thanks to their conspiracy over this money, and he puts almost the entire mob away in one go. Um. And then we have the first warning of the Joker, where he's decided he's had enough of Batman. 
And so he kidnaps someone and he makes a video and it's a video of the, of him interrogating uh, one of the fake Batman and uh, says he's going to kill him. And he does. And says, unless Batman, um, is this the part where he says, unless Batman reveals himself? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just step in here? Yeah. This is one moment in the movie and the only moment he loses it. The Joker loses it. Okay. He looks at that guy and because the guy won't look at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, goes, yeah. Look at me. And he really, really gets angry. Yep. And that's the only time in the whole movie he gets so angry. So when you're making a movie, uh, you have your director, and that would be uh, Christopher Nolan, and he would be the director of the first unit. But occasionally, you have to shoot things uh, on the same day in two different locations. So you need a second unit director. And so the second unit director for these scenes was someone you may have heard of. <laughs> oh, go on. Heath Ledger. He directed those as well. They sent him out with a camera and basically said, I think Nolan went for the first one and said, and he came back with a trial one and went, you don't need me for the rest of this. You clearly get this. Wow. And Nolan, uh, Aaron Eckert shares a story where he said, Chris Nolan came out to him and said, Heath is really doing something special with this role here. So uh, I think that the general consensus was that uh, Heath was just tapped into something. Heath put him away for himself away for six weeks in preparation for the role. Just sort of shut himself off and worked on the mannerisms so he didn't come off like Jack Nicholson. But also, Heath Ledger in real life was into filmography and photos yeah. and, and into all that. So he was, he'd been playing with cameras for a long, long while. And even if you look so at he understood. if you look at the directors he surrounded himself with and the roles he signed up for, I mean, like yeah. this wasn't someone who just kind of went off because he could have easily just done like the Matthew McConaughey before McConaughey became an Oscar winner. But that pretty boy who just did all <laughs> the charming, he could have done We Will Rock You over and over and over and over again. No, not We Will Rock You, A Knight's Tale over and over and over again. Yeah. He could have kept doing those sorts of roles and he didn't. He did Brokeback Mountain, you know, he did, you know, yes, he did The Patriot, he did 10 Things I Hate About You. And those are both fine movies, but, you know, he, he had a range. Definitely. Um, and there's this oh, this tragic thing where Harvey Dent is talking at the start of the dinner party to Alfred. And he goes, I hear you've known Rachel her whole life. And he goes, not yet. And I'm going, oh, yeah. that is unfair, Nolan Brothers. <laughs> Knowing what's going to happen, that is unfair. And we have this face-to-face meeting between Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent. Because Bruce is going to throw Harvey a fundraiser in his penthouse. And he says, Gotham needs a hero with a face. And the face is Harvey Dent. And the first thing he does, he shows up to the party because he's late because he didn't make an entrance on his helicopter. And he walks in and he says, where's Harvey Dent? And then Seisman makes this really impassioned speech and says, I believe in Harvey Dent. And as soon as it's over, he goes outside and he throws his drink off of the balcony. Why does he throw his drink off the balcony? Because he's still playing Bruce Wayne, isn't he? Yeah, He's not the millionaire playboy, give me a drink, I'm getting loaded, but he needs to appear as though he's the billionaire yeah. playboy, give me a drink, I'm getting loaded. Yeah. And um, Rachel comes out and says, Harvey doesn't know that you're making fun of him. And he goes, no, I'm really not making fun of Harvey. And then the Joker shows up. And what's the first question the Joker asks? Where's Harvey? Where's Harvey Dent? And then what does he do? He grabs a woman's drink. He throws three throws quarters it. of it all out. And then he drinks the last little bit. 
That's the right. same thing we've just he seen does. Batman do. And so there's clear yeah. that these two are each other's opposites. And do they need each other in a sense, in this weird sort of way? The Joker certainly thinks so. And so the Joker takes Rachel hostage and says, um, you want to know how I got these scars? And he tells us a different version of a story. Ellie, do you remember the version of a story on this one? Um, the wife. Not clearly. Enough. Oh, yeah, his... Um... So his wife had, I think, had had some kind of gambling problem and yep. had had an injury causing her to have lots of facial scars well, as the, well. The deal was she got in deep with some loan sharks and is yeah. sort of their thing. They 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 messed her face up. Yeah, um, and he said that he still found her beautiful and he wanted to look at her, but she just felt ugly, so he decided to cut his own face to match basically well she wouldn't smile and so he gave himself a smile and said no, no now, now i smile every day and then she the irony was she couldn't stand to look at him anymore and then he says now he gets the joke is that he's always smiling <laughs> and rachel god bless her like kicks him i'd be absolutely terrified yeah. one of the greatest line in this movie is said next okay you want to set it up yeah when um he, he goes um oh Someone's got a little bit of a kick in him, and then, <laughs> and then I missed that. And then, um, then Batman turns up and goes, "Well, you're going to love me." Yes, <laughs> and out of the blue, you're going to love me, and then just decks him, which is brilliant. brilliant. But if I can, brilliant. this pairing of Rachel and the Joker works so well because Rachel, being you know the the woman who both Harvey and Bruce are fighting over. She becomes this, like, she's the most beautiful one in the film. It's sort of by default. Because they both want her, she becomes the ideal. And what do we do? We put her with the Joker in a scene. The man who's grotesque. The man who's twisted. The man who's... You take the most vulnerable person and put him with the most dangerous person. And that's that's good filmmaking. That's good screenwriting, I think. Yeah. And so <laughs> Batman... Uh, starts to fight some of the Joker's goons and Joker grabs Rachel and goes over to the edge of the penthouse roof and Batman goes in his trademark Shakespearean dialect, let her go. (laughs) I love this bit. And Joker just goes, poor choice of words. (laughs) And lets her her go. And then Batman goes diving frontwards and there's this great shot. I really do rate Maggie Gyllenhaal as an actress, but she just sort of like lifts her arms out and goes, ah, <laughs> I can see her going, what's my motivation for this scene? Well, you're falling. <laughs> what would you do? I, I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, it's the logical thing. I want to reach for Batman. Anyway, Batman somehow catches her. Uh, they fall, they land on a car and it's a comic movie. So I think we, 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 we definitely can excuse it. Um, and then we cut, and it's the next day. And my question is, what happened to the Joker upstairs? Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? Like, they just yeah. cut. And they go, I guess Joker went, well, we're done. <laughs> Let's he go just home. Went, yeah, I'm going home now. Because he went there looking not for <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Here. He went there not looking for Batman. He went there not looking for Rachel. He went there looking for Harvey Dent. And I guess he went, well, we can't yeah. find him. <laughs> Let's go home. <laughs> Let's go home, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and so at this point. Um, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Batman, uh, so Bruce Wayne is having a conversation with Alfred. And Alfred's telling a story about this guy who used to steal gems. 
And it wasn't until forever they realized the guy who stole all these gems in Burma, I think it was. And he, uh, yeah. he found some child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. And the realization was that some men don't want wealth, some men don't want power. The line is, some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And I know I've said this a bunch of times in this film, but I'm going to say it again. How good is Michael Caine in this movie? Fantastic. Isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's got... Such a... an iconic name, like Michael Caine. Um, Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, and yet, all the other, Morgan Freeman and all these people, and yet they all stand out on their own. Yeah. Just amazing. And again, it's that low-key thing, but he's the one guy who can kind of call Bruce Wayne to task because he's got a weight on his shoulders too. He's the only guy who really knows the degree. Rachel knows, yes, but really it's Alfred who really knows the degree and the suffering that Bruce is putting himself through. Yeah. And we see later on he has to kind of be that protector. Yeah. Um, we find out that Rachel's got a decision to make. She can go with... Harvey, but Bruce is starting to have a... He had a conversation with Rachel where he goes, if Harvey does what Harvey does, I don't have to be Batman anymore. And then we can be together because that was her deal at the end of the last film was as long as you're Batman, we can't be together. And Bruce is basically going, I can I can get rid of this. And he's willing to. And he's willing to because he, he wants yeah. it because he sees Harvey's the hero that he can't be. So I meant what I said. We need a hero with a face and Harvey is that face. And then we have just this, one face, just one face currently. And then we have the follow up <laughs> scene where Mr. Reese is back and he's gone. I figured it out and basically says, I know Bruce Wayne is Batman. And he says, I want $10 million a year for my life. Rest of my life. Yeah. Rest of my life. And I think everybody's going, oh, shoot, he's got him here. What are you going to do? He's figured it out. It's the kind of conversation that would cause you to panic, really, if you were think the so. one being blackmailed or closely related to. But not Lucius Fox. But Lucius Fox goes, if you think your boss is one of the most dangerous men in the world who goes out as a vigilante crime fighter with the kind of tech and skills that are unimaginable. And is a billionaire. Is a billionaire. And your plan is to blackmail this man? He just goes, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Reese just grabs his folder and goes, okay, then it just walks out. I love it. Which was great. Um, Joker and... So now we have a bit where um, the Joker has successfully killed some high-ranking officials. He's killed a judge. He's killed the police commissioner. And he's made a threat that he will kill the mayor. And so we have a big uh, parade funeral for the old police commissioner and I guess the judge and the mayor's going to be there and um, everyone's ready to protect and they've got men in every sort of station and we find out that the Joker without the makeup it's the one time we see him without the makeup is is down as one of the um, guys with the guns doing the 21 gun salute and have, have you also noticed that even though he's like the head guy he's always in on the action Yes, yes, absolutely. He never, he never steps back. He's always in on it. He's always somewhere around or in doing it himself. I think it excites him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do think so. I, I really don't think he cares if he lives or dies. I think that's made clear. Mm. I think he's quite yeah. fine with that. And so he makes a shot for the mayor because he promised he was going to. And commissioner, not commissioner, but uh, Gordon. What's Gordon's first name? Anybody know? Uh, Jim. Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Dives in front of the bullet. James. 
Yeah, James. Jim is short for James. Yeah, yeah. You can use him interchangeably. He is called Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is called Jim socially uh, or informally, but officially he's James Gordon. So you're both Ah, correct. Um, And so he dives in front of the bullet and he dies. And we we see them telling his wife that he dies. We see um, everybody. We see Harvey Dent dealing with the fact he's dead. We see uh, Batman dealing with the fact that he's dead. So much so that they try to turn on the bat light on the roof and get Batman to show up and talk to the other cops and he won't do it because it's made quite clear by Harvey Dent that some of the cops in Gordon's unit are dirty. Dirty cops yeah. who just couldn't prove it in court. And um, then we start with these interrogations uh, because as things go aside, we see that the, the Joker's accomplice, one Thomas Shift, is wearing a badge that says Officer Rachel Dawes. Dent has to interrogate the deranged Thomas Shift, and he starts to slip. He starts flipping the coin, not as a way to do anything, because it's always going to be, well, we find out it's always going to be heads, but in a way that he's starting to abuse his power, because he's got a man under gunshot, under, he's holding the gun to his head, basically, and says, if it turns tails, I'm going to shoot you unless you tell me what you want to, I need to know, because they're looking for Rachel. And Batman catches him and says, do you realize what would happen if we caught you? And this has been said a few times now. You need to stay infallible, Harvey, or else everybody gets out of jail. Everybody who you've put away. The city gets ruined if you're caught. And we start to see that movement, that arc we've been talking about this whole time. That Batman is trying to prevent Harvey from slipping from his position of being the White Knight. Uh, Words of the Stakes. And then we find out that Bruce is going to turn himself in. And the ironic thing is both of them are so hell-bent that the other needs to exist. Batman is so convinced and is trying to tell Harvey, do you realize how much we need you? And Harvey tells Batman, do you realize how much we need you? And so he tells Harvey to um, set up the um, press conference and he's going to turn himself in. And so we um, we get more things about um, this guy in Burma. And Alfred tells us it's always darkest before the dawn. And then it comes time for Bruce to turn himself in. He's about to. And then Harvey Dent says he's Batman. And everything <laughs> goes kind of awry. And um, yeah. Um, and... Bruce Wayne is just left, kind of like I was there for a moment there, a little bit starstruck, going, I don't know what to do, and decides that Harvey's made his choice, and he's okay with it, because this is all designed to sort of lure out, in Batman's mind, the the Joker. And so they go to transport Harvey to jail by driving him across Gotham, and we get this big, long chase scene, basically just an excuse for them to blow stuff up and remind us it's still an action movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Quite spectacular, though, isn't it? Yeah, is the bat pod? Is the bat pod, which is the code for the bat bike? How is that? It's the motorbike. Yeah, yeah. do you guys like that? No, I like the fact that it's a practical effect. But other than that, yeah, Uh, I think it was just the time we had to blow some stuff up. And so, long story short, um, they're moving Dent across in a SWAT van. The Joker gets a hold of a lorry, 
and manages to somehow get rid of all the other policemen through his, I mean, he's got um, associates in helicopters and other things that get rid of all the other vehicles. And he's going to take out Dent, and then all of a sudden in comes Batman, the real Batman, which excites the Joker. He's not mad, he's excited. And Batman runs some tripwire around the lorry, and it flips over and lands upside down, and then out gets the Joker, and we hear that rising music of the Joker's theme, and he's so good, he's almost staggering, falling, shooting the gun randomly, this Tommy gun, and as Batman approaches on his bike, he keeps going, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Could you please, come on, hit me, hit me, hit me. Run me down, run me down, yeah. And and, and Batman can't, because Batman's rule is he won't kill. And the Joker's, I'm always going to put myself in in, in harm's way to make you kill. And this is the face-off. And so he jumps up to the fallen Batman, walks up to him. One of his associates, his goons, tries to get at Batman. He gets zapped electronically for somehow. And the Joker laughs at this and then starts kicking Batman. And then we see a gun get pointed to the back of the Joker's head. And he says the greatest line. He says, could you just please give me a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Like somehow he's like, oh, yeah, all right. And then we find out Jim Gordon is alive. He was the guy driving the SWAT van. Oh, big shout out to the guy in the passenger seat in that scene who just kept saying things like, this is not good. Oh, that's not good. I wanted more of that guy. If we could get a spinoff movie with that guy, I just want to know how, how he's dealt with this going forward. But this also, is- did you see what was written on the side of the lorry? Oh, yes, yeah, slaughter. slaughter. Yes, laughter became slaughter, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Uh with this comic S. J- Jim Gordon's plan. So we have to assume that Jim Gordon was planning that the Joker would get a successful shot off. He would dive in front of the bullet and not die just so he could be the truck driver in a scene like this that would require the Batman to come and save him from the Joker at the very right moment. <laughs> is this not more insane than any plan the Joker comes up with in the whole film? Yes. <laughs> but we do get, and this is, sorry, this is when Harvey Dent is put into the car and taken away by that detective and we get that lingering shot on her face and we're going, oh, I don't like that. Because we've established earlier, she's got her mums in the hospital and things aren't going well for her. And Commissioner Gordon comes home and sees his wife and there's this great moment where he doesn't say anything. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. She just slaps, she slaps him, him and then hugs him straight away. Yeah. And he goes to see his son. You would, because you would, why couldn't you yeah. tell me this? Yeah. It was really yeah. real, wasn't it? Yeah. And he slapped, mm-hmm. he gets slapped by his wife and gets kissed and hugged. Sorry, hugged, not kissed, I don't think. And then he goes to see his son just to remind us that he's got stakes, because that'll be important for later. <laughs> and the kid goes, Did Batman save you? And he goes, Actually, this time. I saved him, which was a nice line because Jim Gordon, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to do it again. How good is Gary Oldman in this film? Gary Oldman is good in everything. But I mean, if you talk about range of Heath Ledger, I mean, this guy's, um, oh, Sirius Black. Is that right, Georgia? Yeah, that is right. right. I friggin' love Gary Oldman as Sirius Black. Sirius Black, you look at him in Bram Stoker's Dracula. You look at him as Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. Oh, I've not seen that yet. I really want to. I haven't seen that, but I've seen clips. And then you see him in this, and you go, Gary Oldman can do anything. And again, another guy, another, I haven't seen that. 
And another oh, guy who in all these comic book characters around him just plays it really almost like he's just this anxious guy who gets a small moment for all the dads out there. But it's totally yeah. knows what his role is and just totally gets it. Yeah. And you don't overplay the character or anything. He he actually plays it to the T. And then which is he, good. after his two minutes apiece with his family, he has to go back to work. <laughs> Can you imagine his wife when he goes, I got to go back to work? Because Harvey Dent, is it Harvey or is it Rachel? No, Harvey never gets home. I mean, over Harvey. Neither of them do. Yeah, but I think the one that gets him in there is Harvey, I think. Okay. And he goes, what's going on? And he starts to interrogate, um, he starts to interrogate the, um, his his man and the crew and all that stuff. And they, they applaud for him. And he's told, go home, get some sleep. Because in the morning, you're going to be Commissioner Gordon. And everybody claps, including the Joker. And that was not scripted. When the Joker, when Heath Ledger claps, that was an ad lib. And I'm not sure if they caught it the first on the camera, but they decided to roll with it and stay focused on him for that mocking clap the Joker gives. And so they decide they need to get some information out of the Joker. So Gordon decides he's going to interrogate the Joker. And he tries unsuccessfully. And it's very, very dark in the shadows. And then this is the part that was shot in London, actually. This whole interrogation scene was shot at Pinewood. And um, he goes, fine. And he goes over and he unlocks his cuffs. And then he just walks out. And you're going, what's this about? And then the lights turn on. And uh, Batman's been behind him the whole time. And they have a bit of a discussion, a bit of a fight and a bit of a discussion. And Heath Ledger told Christian Bale, I want you to hit me as hard as Batman would really hit the Joker here. And Christian Bale's going, no, let's just act. That, that's, that's just a lot easier if we just do the whole acting thing. And Heath Ledger's going, no, I really want you to hit me. So it's almost like the Joker's voice, hit me. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And uh, we find out eventually, because they sort of, have this argument about, why do you want to kill me? And the Joker goes, I don't want to kill you. You complete me. Which was, uh, which was, I don't think it's, I think it's intent. Do we think it's intentionally a callback to Jerry Maguire, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think it might yeah. be. And, and also, also in that scene, he, um, he says, it don't matter how strong you are or how powerful you are. I have, you have nothing to leverage against me. Yeah. He said there's nothing to bargain with. There's nothing. No matter how strong you are, which is good. Yeah. This is where you get this almost romanticism of the relationship between the Joker and Batman by the Joker. He really has this kinship with Batman. And he says, like, you'll never stop me, but I'll ever, you know, I always want to, I always want to be here opposite you. And um, he says, here's the, here's the deal. What's going to happen? Um, you have two choices. I've got Harvey and I've got Rachel. And I'll even tell you where they are, but you have to make a choice. And this is his argument that, that life is about choices. And so he says, here's the name of one and here's the name of the other. And so they go after one at 250 52nd Street is where we find out that is where Rachel is. And I bring this up only because 250 52nd Street is a palindrome. It's the same backwards and forwards. And so they run to get there. Batman says he's going to get Rachel. The officers say they're going to go get Dent. And then we have a, a wake-up call. 
and um, there's Rachel and there's Harvey. And they're sort of talking to each other from two different respective warehouses. And we cross cut between the two of them. And Rachel seems to know a lot more about the plan than uh, Harvey does. So she sort of wisens him up and says, they're going to let our friends decide. And Harvey instantly knows his role and goes, okay, they're going to let you live. So that's fine. And he starts trying to work his way to get himself out. And in trying to move himself around, he lands face down in some petrol, some 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 gasoline, some fumes. I don't know what it is. Yeah, gasoline type stuff, yeah. Yeah. And so this is where we find out the big double cross, that he's told them the opposite directions. So Batman shows up where Harvey Dent is. And Harvey hates did you also know, Did you also notice how he's freaking out when you think he's the one who's going to be calm, and yet she's the one who's calm, even when she finds out that she's the one who's going to die? It's, it's, it's really interesting, because I do rate Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I think this is the reason why, is that when she finds out, when he, she hears, you hear the yelling, no, why me? Don't come for me, save her. And she realizes she's going to die, how she sort of takes that. She takes a moment, takes it in, makes her peace with it, and then starts to try and comfort him of oh, all people. It's yeah, going to, and they cut her off halfway through a sentence. It's going to be oh, and then they just blow her up, which was brilliant. Yeah. It um, was. So and then we have um well so that happens, and then they're taking they take uh Harvey Den away, and um we cut to people seeing him in the hospital, and then Jim Gordon's in talking to him. And he turns his face. And we don't know what's on the other side of his face. We just know that it's been it's been wounded badly. And we see Jim Gordon's reaction to it. But we don't get to see the face at first. And they let mm. us sit there for a while and make us want to see it. And then we do. Now, this one's obviously not a, not a practical effect, Georgia. No. No, this was done with uh, CGI. Because uh, the, Nolan said no matter what happened, you'd have to add something to the face to give it any sort of a look. And the goal is obviously to take the face away. So that's where you get that. I don't know, pretty gross. It's grim. So you kind of can't put a hole in someone's cheek to be able to see their teeth through it in a without yeah, you can't CGI latex effectively. Yeah. yeah. And so we cut to the Joker. He's got his mountain of money. They've got Lau. So we cut to the Joker. He's got his mountain of money and we have Lau on top of the pile of money. And he says, what are you going to do with your money? He goes, I'm a simple man. I like cheap things. I like gasoline. I like gunpowder. I like things that make things burn. And those things are all cheap. And he burns his pile of money with Lau on top of it. And we don't hear him scream. And I think that's a choice in order to try and get that 12 rating. I think originally that probably has screaming in it. Because I don't know about If I was getting burned alive, I'm probably making some noise. Yeah, I I did one that myself. Lau just takes it really, really well. And he says, it's not about money. It's about sending a message. And he says, this town deserves a better class of criminal. And I really think at the end of the day, it's who Joker thinks he is. He just thinks he's an artist and his art is crime. His art is madness. It's chaos. And there's a TV talk show and Mr. Reese is up there and he's going to out Batman. And the Joker calls in and says, as much as he'd love to ruin, um, he'd like to let Mr. Reese go ahead and do his... uh, outing who Batman is. He doesn't see why he should get all the fun. And so he makes a deal that if anybody can kill um, Reese in the next 60 minutes, then fine. But if not, he's going to blow up a hospital. And so everybody goes around to all these hospitals. And of course, the hospital that he's targeting is the hospital with 
Harvey Dent in it. And we have this great face-off between Harvey in the in the bed as Two-Face and this nurse. <laughs> and the nurse has her face covered with the surgical mask. But you can still see the white makeup and the exactly. darkened eyes of a Joker wearing this ridiculous red wig and a and like a little nurse's hat waddling over. And Dent's totally cool with this. And then takes off his yeah. little mask to reveal it's the Joker. And Dent freaks out. And also so, in that scene, did you notice what he what um the Joker's wearing on his nurse's uniform? Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me? I think I do know, but go ahead. It's got Dent written on it. And that's, I think that's when he was going for um when he was when he was being elected. Yes. Oh yes, he's got I believe in Harvey Dent. Yes, he does. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah, yeah. do you know what else he's got on his uniform? <sighs> he's got the name go tag Matilda. Who is Matilda, do you think? Oh, it's his daughter it's in his, real life. It's his little daughter. In and he, real life. And he, and, he, oh. and he wears a badge that has her name on it on his nurse's uniform. And they have, this, so cool. they have this face-off about who the Joker is and who he isn't. And it's not fair and da-da-da-da-da and your plan. And the Joker looks at him and goes, do I really look like a guy with a plan? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, yes, you are. Because we didn't talk about how he gets out of the jail, of course, by putting the mobile phone in that guy's stomach and then ringing it so it blows up the jail. I think yeah. perhaps he, he always has a plan, but only up to a certain point. Yeah, I think he's got several plans, I think is the way it goes. Yeah, I think you have to, to be yeah. able to pull them all off that successfully. You need to have several backups in place for that kind yeah. of criminal mastermindery, don't you? And he says, it's nothing personal. And say we will about chaos, but chaos is fair. And he walks up and he gives Harvey Dent a gun. And he points it to his head. And then Harvey looks at this charred coin, which they got back from Rachel, because he had given it to Rachel just before they met for the last time, and showed it was a two-headed coin. But now one side is light, and one side is dark. And so they make the deal that if it's the light side, he lives. If it's the dark side, he dies. And the Joker goes, now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) But he does keep his thumb on the hammer of the gun. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't know anything about guns. Would that be enough to stop the bullet from hitting his skull? Like, how much force does that do? I don't know. If he's got to pull back, can he not trigger it in any way? I don't know how that works. I believe it's it gives the Joker time to change what's happening. He, like he wouldn't just shoot him straight away. Like it gives him a little bit of leverage. Yeah, I'm, I'm not very afraid with guns, but no. Yeah. In this time, Batman has created a sonar. We're using everybody's phone, taking the same technology that um, Lucia set up for him in Hong Kong and going global with it, or at least Gotham-wide with it. And Lucia says, there's too much power for any one man. And Batman goes, that's why I'm giving it to you. And he said, when you're done, just type your name in. And I'm kind of leave at that, but Lucia goes, consider this my resignation from Wayne Enterprises, because as long as this machine's here, I won't be. And Morgan Freeman's just your dad. You don't want to disappoint him. But did, did, did you notice how he never said, oh, no, when you type in your name, it will destroy it. He just said, type in your name. Yeah. He didn't even try and defend it or anything. Well, I think part of that's for the audience, isn't it? Yeah. So we don't mention that. We haven't mentioned this yet. But before she died, Rachel had written um, a letter to Bruce saying she chooses Harvey. She's going to marry Harvey. And when the time's right, the deal is that 
Alfred. Rachel gives it to Alfred, and Alfred says he'll give it to Batman. We'll give it to Bruce when the time is right. And he was going to give it to him the next day and then decides, I can't give it to him because Bruce says to him, um, she was going to she was gonna choose me. She was going to choose me, Alfred. And then Alfred's going, no, I can't give you this. And he takes, no. the, he takes the card off. He goes, what's that? He goes, it's not important right now. And just takes it back. And I'm going, okay. And uh, eventually, he, he definitely burns that. And then we find out that there's two boats, and each boat has a bomb. And on one boat, we've got the good people of Gotham trying to get away from the city because the Joker's warned us he's going to blow some stuff up. Uh, on the second boat, we have all the criminals leaving from Arkham Asylum in the prison. And they're both told, you've got, he gives each uh, captain a box, and inside the box is a detonator for the bombs. And it's told, yeah. you control if the other people live or the other people die. And so it becomes this idea of, I don't know, people say, give me the guy, I'll do it, I'll do it, we'll shoot him, we'll do it. And I thought this resonated really well at a time right now when there's a lot of, a lot of fear in society, I think, right mm-hmm. now. There's a lot of me first. I mean, you go to the grocery store, you can kind of see people putting themselves before other people a lot of the time. Yeah. And you'd go, if we were on the boat, do you think our vote would be any different? I mean, they've, uh, the, the good people, the regular citizens, vote three to one to blow up the criminals. But no one was willing to do it themselves. But no one's willing. To, and even one guy stands up and says, give it to me, I'll do it, I'll do it. And he can't do it. He has to put the detonator back. And because were, you can't justify killing somebody. And they go to the criminals, and this big-looking scary guy stands up and says, give. You recognize him. I do recognize him. That is Zeus. Yeah. Zeus, Tiny Lister. Yeah. He had a brief run in the WWF back in the day. Oh, did he? (laughs) And he wasn't very good. (laughs) But he did a totally, (laughs) he did a terrible film with Hulk Hogan called No Holds Barred. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you know him? Um, Friday. The film Friday. He plays Debo. Oh, is he really? Yeah. He's the guy that everyone's afraid of. Yeah, you can imagine why. And the only reason why I picked it up was that <laughs> was that lazy eye of his. Yeah. And he goes, give me the detonator. You can tell them I hit you. Give me the detonator. Tell them no one needs to know. And I'll do what you should have done 10 minutes ago. And it's masterful. Because we all think great. we all think he's going to blow up the other, the other boat. Yeah. And he grabs the detonator and he throws it up the side and sits down. And during this time, Batman is ascending um, a building where the Joker's located that he's found through his sonar. He's fought off the dogs and he's having a... He didn't just fight off a dog. He punched a dog through a window. It was unnecessary. <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. The, do- the dogs are trying to kill him. But you just punched the dog. <laughs> and the dog yelps. I think we it does. For that. And he falls out a window. <laughs> Yeah, I struggled with that bit myself. I'll have to say. Spot the dog owners. And yes, absolutely. And so um he has this final showdown with the with the Joker. And it's this thing of like Batman goes, You're wrong. Look, people are good and decent, unlike you. And he throws, uh, the Joker tries for the third time to say, do you want to know how I got these scars? And starts a third joke, and about halfway through it, Batman like throws him off the edge of the building, and the Joker's laughing as he gets thrown off the edge. 
And Batman yes. takes a grappling hook and saves him and brings him back up. And Joker's like, ah, once he realizes. And he gets pulled up and you get this great iconic upside down shot, which they did in Pinewood Studios. Which they also did with um, Jack Nicholson they in did. the first Batman movie. They did. And the irony yeah. is in the first Batman movie with Michael Keaton, they kill the Joker by cutting the grappling hook. Batman yeah. purposely kills him that way. In this one, they save him that way, mm. which yeah. I thought was really interesting. And he starts Another one to... of my favorite lines. One of my favorite lines come up. Which is? This, which is, you and I, I think we're destined to do this forever. I think we're destined to do this. Because you, you truly are incorruptible, aren't you? <laughs> but he says, the people that are like me, he says, I took Gotham's white knight and I brought him down to our level. Yeah. And the English teacher in me is going, that's a good use of a pronoun. Because it's <laughs> suggesting, and Batman doesn't fight him on it. I think they realize that Harvey was a cut above them. And now that's yes. been ruined and tainted. Yeah. And so Harvey, meanwhile, how he's been taken down to their level is Harvey has kidnapped Commissioner Gordon's son. And uh, taken him out. And so Batman has to track him down. He leaves the Joker hanging upside down. Oh, the building they're in, by the way, is a yet-to-be-finished, constructed at that time, Trump Tower in Chicago. Oh, really? Yes. So, uh, Oh, another thing I just want to add to this um, whole thing. Yep. Have you noticed, all the way through the movie, whenever you see the Joker fight, he's very clumsy? Yes. There's no style to his fighting. He's just all over the place. Oh, he's just just flailing limbs. Yeah. Yeah. Completely, all the way through. <laughs> it's amazing. So we have our second three-way meeting. We have one earlier in the film, but there's a second one here with Batman, Commissioner Gordon, and Harvey, but it's a much different vibe this time. And it's trying to save Harvey's soul, kind of, at the same time you're trying to save the child. And I've just got that Gary Oldman is amazing. Low-key, <laughs> but so awesome. And mm. at this point, Harvey's flipping the coin to see who lives and who dies. And he flips it for Batman and it lands on the dark side and he just shoots Batman. He puts the gun to his temple, flips the coin. It's light. So he lives to see another day. And so he goes with the sun. And just as he goes to flip the coin, Batman tackles him and throws him off the edge of the roof. And we find out that Batman has saved a little boy and brings him up. And then it turns into, what are we going to do? But before we see that they've been saved, the coin did land shiny side up as a nice little bit of symbolic foreshadowing that everything was going to be okay. Mm. Um, Batman now really has to do dense kind of bidding. And he makes the decision that he is going to take the heat for killing all those people. Because if Harvey is exposed as the guy who did all this, everybody goes free who'd been arrested, and Gotham gets a lot worse. And this and not is... only that, the faith from the people who believes in something, yeah, um, is gone. And remember, because Harvey... if if Harvey, if, if Harvey can fall, everyone and, can. And remember, they need a hero with a face, and Harvey can still exactly. be that. And he takes yeah. Harvey's face, which it's the charred two face version of him. And they flip the face over, and he's no longer Harvey Two-Face for a moment again. He's Harvey Dent, the White Knight in death. And you get the idea about how much he loves Rachel, because everything about him that mattered ended when she died. All of his principles disappear. Batman's incorruptible. The Joker's incorruptible. Lucius is incorruptible. Um, 
Alfred to degrees incorruptible, maybe, but uh, Harvey falls. Harvey falls. And um, the sonar, Lucius Fox puts his name in and it, it blows up. Alfred burns the letter. Commissioner Gordon smashes the bat light. And we get this great final monologue from um, Gary Oldman about how he's not the hero that Gotham needs right now, but he's the hero that Gotham deserves or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's backwards um, of what they describe Harvey Dent as earlier. Yeah. 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 And so Batman rides off into the distance with people hunting him, and that's where we leave him for the Dark Knight. It just closes in this iconic thing, and this is the second time in the whole movie we hear Batman's theme. We hear it once about 20 minutes in, and then we leave it till the very end of the movie. So you walk out with your triumphant, um, triumphant Batman. And one thing I will say. One, one thing I will say also is we never see what happens to the Joker. So was that left open for a return for the third? I think so. Originally, the plan was that they were going to do they were going to have both Joker and Harvey in both films, two and three, and then right. somewhere along the way they decided no, we want to turn because Harvey wouldn't change until film three originally, and they went no, 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 we're going to do Harvey and turn in film two, but he's going to die in film two and the joker was supposed to have a part in film three i don't i still think you get bane but i think the balance is a little bit different uh, you kind of okay. get both of them in the same way you had both of them this time but joker yeah. was supposed to go to arkham is is my understanding oh okay so there's a passing reference to 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 him in arkham but obviously they weren't going to reshoot it with somebody else so no that was that. so thoughts on the dark knight uh liam Oh, just I love it. Yeah, I love it, and I, I, just, I just like you say, um, Heath Ledger's performance is flawless, and I like how he takes in a different direction to the camp, um, bright colours of Jack Nicholson. Um, I like how he went different because when I was a child, and I, I liked Joker as a villain because he was everything I wasn't, and. He had no, he had no desire to be rich, famous, or anything. It was just to cause chaos, and Heath Ledger tapped into that, and was just like, "No, I just want to cause chaos," and that's what he did, just manipulating people to cause all this mayhem, and that's what I liked about him. Okay. Gary Oldman, like you say, phenomenal because he he played it, not overplayed it. He played it right. He played it for someone of Gary Oldman's back catalogue of characters he's played, right. he could have done so much over the top of it, and he didn't. It was very understated and very... Um, is that the word? Yeah. Very very normal. And that's not what you used to see in Gary Oldman do. No. Play normal. So yeah. I think that was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I didn't think too much of um, Dylan Hall, though. Okay. I actually prefer Katie Holmes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. They were two very different Rachels. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not on her acting or anything. I just, I didn't feel like she fitted the role as much as what Katie Holmes did. Yeah. But it's going to be challenging know. to pick that up from somebody else, but I, I would agree with that. I think it was, it felt like two different, not I guess her acting. I think she's, she's a fine actress, but just, it just, it was yeah. a different, it was a different Rachel. 
Ellie? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I really love the film as well. Um, I I do like all three of the uh, this Batman trilogy. Um, but I mean, like you say, this one definitely stands out as as the best one, and I think the the acting from everyone is just superb, and it's it's just such a well put together film, and there's there's not really an awful lot that you can criticize, I don't think. Georgia, um, I feel like I'm a one note pony. To be quite honest, I would quite happily see the film without Batman in it. Right. Um, keep Bruce keep Bruce Wayne in. That's fine. He doesn't annoy me as much. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> Batman as a lead I'm character, <laughs> I do not like. Okay. Um, particularly, I think I find him to be quite boring, um, which I know is a massive statement, and I'm oh. probably going to get um, completely extradited for it by the internet. <laughs> but I just find him to be—I find him to be boring, quite one note, and not above—not above anything more than a particularly rich man with a bit of daddy issues and a want of upsetting people, really. So, no. Um, I think, I've thoroughly I enjoyed what, Heath Ledger as Joker, though. I think what George is trying to say is that everyone else stands head and shoulders above um, Christian Bale. Yeah, I agree with that. Christian oh, absolutely, yeah. Considering it's a very... Batman film, yeah. um, Christian Bale... I would rate below Heath Ledger, mm. below oh, yeah. Gary Oldman, below so many of the other people in this I film, and Michael Caine. I think there's moments when he's Bruce Wayne that he's all right. I think the dinner, I think that speech. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. I don't mind Bruce Wayne. I don't like Batman. Yeah, fair enough. Um, any quotable quotables? Any any lines that are, catch you out as your favorite of, of, of a thing? Um, I think for me... Uh, my favourite line was the "I think you and I are destined to do this forever," yeah. only because of the death of him. Because it wasn't forever. Yeah, good shout. Um, you know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a nice place to leave it, I guess. Except for you really wanted the payoff from that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something yeah. I, I didn't mention. I can't believe I didn't. I want to make sure I get this across now. Is that when he blows up the hospital at the end? at the end of a second act, when the hospital blows up. A, it's not a hospital. It's a decommissioned candy factory, which I thought was really interesting. And the other thing is, there's a delay in that final explosion, and that wasn't supposed it's to be a delay. Brilliant. He, it's absolutely and brilliant. Keep in mind, you get one shot at that. And so he must yeah. have thought, if it goes wrong, I got to make sure I buy time and just stay in yeah. character. And he doesn't. And he he doesn't break character. He He... he Goes ahead and he just waddles off as it explodes. He goes, oh, that's right. And then gets his car and drives off or his truck or bus, whatever it was, which was brilliant. Uh, anybody else have any favorite lines just while we're thinking about it? No, but I do have a bit of, uh, a, bit of a trivia thing about right. the Joker as a character. Okay. Can any of you name me three different people that showed a public interest in playing the Joker for this film before it was cast? Because there are some names on here that surprised me. Yeah, I've, I, I, in my in my research, I found a lot. Johnny Depp. No. No. I want to say Steve Carell was one of them. Steve Carell is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Really? Keep in mind. Keep in mind. Everybody was thinking, "Oh, we were going to show some films that are going to change your mind on that." Um, maybe. Um, there were some. I don't know because there, there were some. Because no one knew what kind of Joker they were talking about at this point. Yeah. No. So they were thinking Jack Nicholson campy Joker. 
So Steve Carell makes sense in that kind. Like if you're thinking Jerry Bruckheimer's Batman, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Chill and all that stuff, Steve Carell's The Joker yeah. makes sense. Um, else this next one, this next one got me. Robin Williams. I I heard he was interested in playing the Riddler in the, in the old franchise as well, so I'm not too surprised by that. He expressed a public interest in playing the Joker. Can you imagine how different that film would be? Yeah. I mean, the interesting it thing been, it wouldn't have been so dark. It was an interesting choice no. just going so young with it, though, because Joker had always been an older character compared to Batman, and this time they went young, yeah. and that has its own vibe to it. I'm not sure, though, yeah. with, with all the makeup that Joker has, I'm not sure it feels like Heath Ledger is as young as he is in the role. It didn't, the only, didn't come across as a really young character. The only time he came across to me that he was a guy in his 20s is when he's doing the fight with Batman in, in, the, in the interrogation room. And he seemed young then. Okay. Yeah, and also, did you notice through the whole film, um, no matter how his makeup was, whether that was strong makeup, smeared makeup, yeah. half makeup, whatever, did you notice his hands? No. His hands all had white bits over them. Oh, okay. Like like like, like, like he had applied his, his own yeah from touching his face. Yeah. Don't don't do that in today's climate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. That was, that was clever. So it's time to play a game, which we call Best Role Ever. So this might be a fairly short one, but let's just... Well, actually, not a short one, a long one. Christian Bale, best film ever? No. No. No, I think I could name five that are better than, than this. So, um, Empire of the Sun. Empire of well, Prestige, The Prestige, Fighter. Yeah. 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 Uh, even Le Mans 66, which we saw. Le Mans yeah. 66. Yeah. Oh, great movie. He was good in that. Uh, Heath he Ledger, was. can we just get over really, really quickly and go absolutely? Yes. Definitely. Yeah, but I, I, I also like the intent things I had about you. Yeah, he was I think good. Heath Ledger's fantastic in, a lot, well, in all the films I've seen him in, definitely, but this one is just Heath so is much fantastic, more depth yeah. of character. You go to someone and say, what's his best performance? They're probably saying this. Well, let me first say, they're saying this. Yes. And then they might yeah. say Brokeback. And then you might get the people who remember from 10 Things and those sorts of more butt pop. It's like when you see great actors like Tom Hanks. You see his early work when he's doing like puff movies. Oh, uh, like soft movies. That word is a different connotation, I think, over here. (laughs) But you see him doing like like The Money Pit or Turner and Hooch. And you're like, you can still see he's a great actor in those films. But you're going, just, just give it a moment till he actually gets the material to work with. Aaron Eckhart, best film ever. Now, some of you might have only seen him in this. I'm not sure I've seen him in anything else. I'm going to put up, I'm still going to take Thank You for Smoking over this, but I think he's fantastic in this. Yeah, I saw a film with him with Julia Robertson not so long back. Yeah, I can see the picture, the poster. Where his wife had died of cancer. Intolerable intolerable cruelty? No. No, I don't think that's Julia Robertson. I can't remember what it was called. Don't know. Um, Uh, Let me have a quick look what else he's been in. Michael Caine? Uh, Zulu. Yeah, like he's great. Uh, Italian job. Like he's great in this. Uh, yeah. Prestige. That's I mean, nice. he's great in this, but it's, he's just a great actor, isn't he? Yeah. Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I've seen. She, no. was, she was better in Kindergarten Teacher. Kindergarten Teacher, she's really good in. Yeah. yeah. Definitely one to recommend. Um, Secretary she's is also, also really highly rated. Called, um, Sorry, she's what? She was also in a TV series called Juices. Was she really? Yeah, which is quite good. Uh, Gary... With, uh, James Franco. Oh, love James Franco. Uh, Gary Oldman? I mean, no. I have big love for him in Harry Potter, but um, that's because I love the character of Sirius Black. So Me too. He's very good as Sirius Black. I'm a bit biased uh, there. 
Yeah. It's he's such a chameleon. I, I think you have to give it to the Winston shirt. He won best actor for it, didn't he? He did, but also years ago he did a film called Sid and Nancy, where he played Sid Vicious. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And it was brilliant. And, and what, also the fifth element. And what about brilliant. Morgan Freeman? I'd say his best role is the uh, more than insurance adverts. <laughs> <laughs> or or his bit where he goes, Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> no, I mean, this conversation ends, begins and ends with Shawshank, doesn't it? Shawshank. Yeah, yeah Shawshank. With an honorable mention yeah. to Bruce Almighty, because he's great in that. I've not seen He's Shawshank. great in that. You've not oh, seen I Shawshank? Shawshank will be on this list at some point, because we have to deal with Shawshank. Are we going to do who our favorite character is in the film? We are in a second, yeah. Let's do, let's do, okay. the, well, yeah, we'll do Liam, it. Liam, the film you were thinking of mm-hmm. with Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich. Oh, he is an Aaron Brockovich. My bad. Oh, well, I've yeah, seen yeah. That. yeah. My bad. Um, okay, let's yeah. just do a really quick rapid fire. Just maybe not just as you, see you Georgia. How, how old is Christian Bale in this? How old is Christian Bale? 37. 34. I was going to go 35, so bang in the middle of 34 those. is correct. Heath Ledger? 28. Yes, I'm going to stop you right there. 28 is correct. <laughs> Aaron Eckhart. Two-Face. How old's Two-Face? 38. 38, 32. 37. 40. Oh. Uh, what about Maggie Hall? Young. 20. 25. 32. I think 30s as well. Maybe 30. 30 is correct. Gary mm. Oldman. Ellie, you are good at this. She's good. Not, it wasn't last time. Gary yeah. Oldman. Um, 50, 45. 52. 54. 50. Oh. Uh, and then a couple other ones. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Timeless. 63. 63. 62. Okay. 61. 71. Oh, my God. Wow. Michael Caine. 64. Um, 67. I would say 70s, like maybe 72. 75, Michael Caine. You're only <laughs> supposed to blow the bloody doors off. If you think of how many years he's been on screen, it's insane. Liam, mm. by your request, favorite characters? I mean, are we doing favorite characters besides Heath Ledger? I mean, is everybody's the favorite character not Heath Ledger? Yeah, mine's yeah. Heath Ledger. So yeah. If, if yeah, I'm, mine okay, I'll go first in on this one. If I have to give a second one, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Aaron Eckhart. It's gonna be Harvey Dent. I'm gonna disagree on that. Okay. Lucius Paul. Yeah, he's good in it. He is. Ellie? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alfred. Alfred? Yeah. Georgia? I do really like Alfred, but I think it's voice that does it for me. Um, uh, I don't know. I quite like... Um, oh, my brain has stopped. That dog that gets kicked off the building. Oh, my God. <laughs> dog number three. Jeez. Um, okay. And then finally, uh, it's just time to kind of go... There's one question we didn't ask, and it might be a question that might have seemed like it would have made sense given all the hullabaloo of uh, the past couple of years, and that's, is Heath Ledger the best Joker ever? And I'm going to ask you not to answer that. 
because next week we are going to do Joker as our film choice. So, Liam, I know you've seen it quite recently. It just felt... You'll copy of it? That's right. It just felt like it was time to... It's a natural point to ask that question, and so why not do it back-to-back? Because the question is, they've both won Oscars, and I think it is. It's clearly a two-horse race. Which one is the better Joker? Is it Joaquin Phoenix? Is it Heath Ledger? Don't answer it now. We'll give it a watch, and we'll come back to it. Uh, Very different films. Uh, Joker, of course, gets to go to that R-rated place, that that 18-rated place. Um, What does that do, and how are the two of them constructed? Because this is quite clearly Joker's movie in that one. It's got his name on the poster, Mm -hmm. for crying out loud. So we're going to look at that. So we've run <laughs> we've run a nice long length this time. Thanks if you're still with us for sticking around with us. Uh, as always, please uh, subscribe to the podcast on through every whatever podcatcher you get to it. So you get to find out when we've dropped one. If you are interested in suggesting one for us, generally the recommendations are that it has to score above an 8 on IMDb or above 90%. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But before I give out the socials, we need to give out our ratings for this film. So, uh, Ellie, why don't you start us off with your rating out of 10? Oh, I don't want to start. Um, I I really like it. I think I would probably give it a 9. Okay. Georgia? I mean, it's not my kind of film. I don't particularly enjoy the dark gritty things don't get me wrong i love a good action film and right. i love a good descent into madness but um it's just too dark for me and i don't like batman but as a film i'd say uh, six and a half oh, wow it's wow. That, it's it's interesting probably a couple of things regardless of the joker's performance i mean if we're just rating the joker's performance and then it's like a nine and a half Excellent. so i don't uh, really know where where i'd put that uh, it's interesting because uh, in the research, says that the Dark Knight tends to skew older and the Dark Knight tends to skew male. So you've kind of just proven, yeah. I think, both those points to a degree. And I think if we don't have the Dark Knight with uh, this, then um, you don't get Zack Snyder's really dark, edgy attempt at trying to do a gritty DC universe. Because everything got gritty and Marvel went the other way and went really, really bubblegummy. Uh, but the Christopher Nolan gritty Batman leads to this. Liam, definitely. we need your rating. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay. Mine is, this is a top five movie of all time for me. It gets a nine and a half from me. It is just shy of being a perfect film. Uh, if I had to tweak yeah. it, it's just some stuff in that third act where I feel it loses a little bit of steam once uh, Joker's out of the way because we end with the Harvey Two-Face showdown. And the showdown I want to finish with is the Joker. I understand why story's got to sort of go, go, go the way it goes, but I felt a little bit underwhelmed by the final payoff of the Joker, and I only think that's because they were saving him for mm-hmm. a, the third movie. It's almost like the film's just that uh, little bit too long, isn't it? The, I just wanted to see things in a different order. I was okay. Same. I just wanted to see that. I was okay with. I'm okay with a nice long film. It just, I, it felt like an anticlimactic bring down. I didn't care as much about the showdown with Harvey Dent, even if he does steal Commissioner Gordon's son. So yeah. But Liam, with you have yeah, a nine same. and me with a nine and a half, we now have a new best film ever, buddy. 
Oh, do you know the funny thing was I was going to go for a nine and a half, but <laughs> that was the last act that just didn't yeah. sway it for me. The whole I'm watching, I was torn between nine and nine and a half. I am, I am trying to think the whole. Which is interesting because George just said if it was just on the on the Joker for her, she would have given it nine and a half, and I'm sitting there going, "That's exactly what I'm about, about to rate it." And I wavered between nine and ten at moments when I was watching. I'm like, "It's a nine. At moments, I was like, "It's a 10. And then I was like, I was really solid on a 10. By the time the Joker finished, I'm like, this is absolutely a 10 movie. And then it just took its foot off a little bit. And I didn't care as much. So that is nine and a half. So uh, if you want to get in contact with us, recommend a movie. Like I said, uh, generally we like things that are above an eight on IMDb or above 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you can hit us up on our social or yeah, tomatoes in your country, right? Or you can hit us up on our social media accounts. We have an Instagram, Georgia. What would that be? That is, you put me on the spot because I was thinking about the other one. Yes, I did. <laughs> Hang on. I think it's, I believe it's at best film ever pod on the Instagram. Because it is best film ever pod. Yes. Cause it's the same on the Twitter. On the Twitter. It's at best film ever pod on the Twitter. If you're so inclined, yes. catch us at our other podcast, which is at talking the Mickey on Instagram and at talk the Mickey on Twitter. And you can find that wherever somewhat reputable podcasts are found. And as for that, uh, I've been Ian. And I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Georgia. Hey, there we go. And until next time, let's put a smile on that face. Where we're going, you don't need roads. Actually, you know what? I think that's lost its I think that's lost its title. I think now that it's this, we have to say about putting a smile on the face or something from Batman. Don't we? Yeah. That's only fair. Why so serious? It's only right. <laughs> Let her go. Poor choice of words. Why is he because we have to chase him. Okay, we're going in! Go, go! Move! He didn't do anything wrong. Because it's the hero Gotham deserves. But not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. A dark knight. <laughs>